Welcome to the Paranormal Brothers Podcast. Animals are amazing, aren't they? They make great companions. They're loyal, love us unconditionally. They are always by our side. Ever since I was a child, I loved animals of all kinds. I think I got that from my mom. She has a ranch in the Colorado mountains where she has all kinds of animals there. From goats to chickens to mini ponies and the list goes on. Many of these creatures were rescued. My mom is now going to share an experience that she had with one of her animals. So take it away, mother. This is just my story about my little pony. <laughs> we had two ponies. We have four mini ponies and two of them passed away sadly last year. First tidbit did, he foundered and then colic, which is when, you know, their tummy turns and also when their coffin hoof and their foot turn and so that was a very sad goodbye because he was just a beautiful, beautiful little pony. Then a few months later, out of the blue, Sonny, who was our oldest mini pony, our first pony rescue, and we've had him for probably going on eight years. We went to put him, we let him all free range at night and uh, when they always come for their food. And when he didn't come, we went looking for him and he was on the property and he looked like he just had a heart attack. He was 30 years old. He lived to a ripe old age and luckily got to live uh, eight of it with us, luckily for us. And I know it was lucky for him, too, because he got lots of love and attention. And that was just so heartbreaking because we dearly love all of our animals. And Sonny was exceptionally special since we had him so long, as was Tidbit. You know, I mean, we did love them both. So I was feeling quite sad. It was about a day or two after Sunny passed, and I was in um, an addition we're building onto our house, and a friend was over. And I was telling her about, you know, us losing Sunny and Tidbit. And we're talking, and she looks out the window, and where we live, uh, there's a big, huge rock bluff behind us. And I've lived there for 20 years, mind you. And she looks at the rock bluff and she goes, look at that. It's the shadow of a pony. And I looked out the window and it was and is a fitting image of a pony. And if you look really close, it almost looks like there could be a rider on the back. But the face, the mane, everything. And I just felt it so deeply, deeply in my heart that it was a sign from our ponies. But they're okay because they know how much we care and love them and are dearly missing them. So anyway, that's my story of a, a sighting after death. And I have to tell you, I never saw that shadow before. And I have not seen it afterwards. And maybe it's just a very certain special time of the day where that shadow hits. And it's not like I go out there looking for it all the time, but, you know, you could see it clearly that day from the window. And I think Tessa might be posting that picture on um, the cover of the podcast, and it's definitely worth looking at. So anyway, Tessa, thank you for having your mother on for a quick little blip. And my heart goes out to anybody out there that has lost a loving pet. But thank goodness they have been loved. So you all have a beautiful day. And I'm right there with my mother. My heart goes out to everybody who's lost an animal. It's 
such a heartbreaking thing when it happens. I actually had a conversation with my best friend, Jordan, and I even told her I I had just lost my family cat. My dad had this cat for like 18 years and I was just so sad. And I was like, you know, it's just so heartbreaking losing an animal that I have a dog and cat and I'm just like terrified of losing them. And of course we know it's going to happen. And I'm like, I don't know if I can get another animal after them just because of the the pain. And she said, I thought about that too, but I, I absolutely am going to when I lose my dog because they bring such happiness in our lives and such fulfillment. And yeah, it's sad when we lose them, but you know, life is so much less lonely with the animals around. And so she's, she's right about that. So thank you, Kimana, my beautiful mother, for sharing that encounter. And yes, she is right, folks. I am going to have that for this episode cover. So please take an extra look at it and just zoom in and take in the beauty. Now, today I want to talk about, obviously, the animal spirits. I've had a few neat encounters myself. This episode is going to be jam-packed with animal spirits from personal encounters to documented encounters. And at the end, I'm going to be having animal psychic Crystal Hope Reed, and she'll be joining us. One day, I was at the Holistic Fair. This unique fair comes but once a year for a weekend in my hometown, and I go whenever I get the chance. Whenever I'm in town, I go. It's a fair full of vendors selling sage and crystals and equipment to investigate the paranormal and so on. They also have tarot readers, psychics, and mediums. Now, it's no surprise to me when a medium starts saying that there's a spirit with me. Usually I can even pinpoint and figure out who exactly that they're talking about. But this one medium, this one time at the Holistic Fair, and she blew my mind. I went not knowing what to expect, but nonetheless coming with an open mind as I do each time with a, you know, each encounter with the medium. I love mediums, the legit ones anyways. Out of all my encounters with mediums, I can proudly say that only one of them was not that great. Every single other one though, I walked away just feeling refreshed and renewed. Anyways, the medium dives right in and doesn't waste a second. She immediately shares with me that I have a friend that stays with me. We discuss other things. Then she tells me something that kind of knocked me off my seat, so to speak. She tells me, you have a dog with you. She's like, I I hate naming breeds because I feel I might get it wrong. But I strongly feel and see that this is a German Shepherd. A German Shepherd, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, I never owned one of those. You know, they're beautiful dogs. My mom actually had one. And for well over a decade and a half, they were the best of friends. And he was such a very loyal and loving dog. I I don't think this is my mom's dog. If anything, he would be with my mom, not me. So who is this phantom dog? She sees confusion on my face and explains. She says to me, you know, since you spend a lot of time investigating the paranormal, there are times when something might follow you home without you knowing it, like a negative presence. 
And she says that I'm clearly seeing this dog, this German shepherd is keeping them at bay. He is your protector. And those were her words. He's keeping them at bay. After our session, I think about all she had told me. Almost everything she said, I was able to confirm and verify the accuracy. She mentioned my friend Michael, who you'll hear about in future episodes. She talked about my friend Zach and how he had died in a car accident. And it was his birthday that day. The only thing I couldn't be sure about was the dog. But she was right about every other thing. So who knows? And she didn't know me. We didn't know each other. It's not like, you know, I had an appointment set up with her and she was able to like Google me or Facebook me or whatever. Uh, No, I didn't have an appointment. I kind of waited for the people to finish with her and she took a quick break and then I jumped right in. So yeah, she didn't know me at all. So I don't know. Maybe it is all right. Maybe I do have a phantom dog with me that keeps the negative spirits away. If this is true, (laughs) I am forever grateful to my furry invisible friend. One experience I'd like to talk about is the time when I was in Jerome, Arizona. I met a woman at a cute little store in town, and she told me about a store that she owns. She lives Copper Penny. She told me how active of a place she has on her hands and was looking for answers and what it could possibly be. I was going to Tucson and Tombstone and would be gone for a week or two, but I promised her that on my way back into town that I would come and see her and um, hopefully give her some answers. When I finally met up with Sheila, she showed me around her store and told me some of the history. One thing she was unsure of, she heard from several people in town, and a lot of them are old timers, that an old man is here that haunts this store. And he's not alone. There's also a phantom cat. So we jump right into the investigation. Each time I investigate a location, I go with an open mind. Anything is possible. Anything can happen. So anyways, we jump right into the investigation. Sheila joined me that night. It was just me and her. She worked that day starting early in the morning. And I knew by the end that she was running on fumes especially since she shared with me that every time she's there at the store in one location that she goes into, she all of a sudden finds herself in a, like a tiring stupor. She even fell asleep one time. And she said that that's never happened before. She just woke up in that area and was like, what the hell is going on? How did I get here? How did I fall asleep? And so I knew that she was probably pretty pooped out. So we didn't have like a full on investigation, but we were there for several hours and many things occurred that night. Things that will be discussed in a future episode as it is very worthy. Now, later on, while listening to my audio and going through the evidence, I noticed that my recorder from time to time would pick up on small pitter patter sounds like tiny footsteps, very light. That night, we captured many things that indicated that the spirit cat story is actually true. It's not a belief, a tall tale, a legend, or a myth. Folks, we caught activity of a feline that we cannot detect with our own humanly eyes nor ears. We captured meows, tiny grunts, and my favorite (laughs) is the sound of a cat eating wet food. 
Now, for the people listening who have cats of their own, you know what sound I'm talking about. Cats are different. They're unique. Each one with their own little attitude and personality and habits. I've had many cats in my life and every single one of them is different. (laughs) But one thing that they have in common besides cat naps (laughs) is how they eat the wet food. You know, you put a dish of wet food in front of these little furry butts and boom, I've experienced excitement and anxiousness eating it like it's the last juicy morsels on earth. At times inhaling the stuff, making little sounds in the process. This is exactly what I heard. And folks, I'm a big debunker. If we heard this with our own ears, it would have been documented. And then we would have searched to see what could be making those sounds. We debunked a lot that night. Car horns, people walking by the street, and so on. Not once that night did we hear any sort of animal, living or a phantom. I often think about Jerome and my experiences I had there. Definitely a neat place, and I'm dying to go back there. Speaking of Jerome, when I spent time at Jerome Grand Hotel, my friend Chris, whose family owns this hotel, was telling me about how many times people who were staying there would have encounters with this phantom cat. One person even captured a picture. When filling activity, they took a picture and you can clearly see this cat. All types of evidence is phenomenal and precious to me. One of my favorites, though, is photo evidence. When you can see it for yourself, when it's in your hands and you could watch it as a video or really stare into this picture and see what it has to offer. And then that's when you could also try to debunk and explain things. So if you're a ghost person and a cat person and find yourself in Jerome, Arizona, go visit Sheila at Sheila's Copper Penny and her phantom cat. And then stay at the Jerome Grand Hotel where you might just run into a phantom cat in your hotel room, as it's been done many times throughout the several years. Now, while I was doing my research on phantom animals, I found some encounters and tells. (laughs) See what I did there? Tells? (laughs) Anyways, moving on, I found neat events that I thought would be appropriate to share today with you for the Animal Spirits episode. First on my list is the United States Capitol building. Now, it is said and widely believed to have a ghostly feline resident. This phantom cat is notorious for its red glowing eyes and is known for mysteriously appearing and scaring passerby and tourists. Maybe it's because of this not-so-friendly behavior that some people believe this cat to be a demon cat. I don't usually use the word demon so loosely. Not everything is demonic, but who knows? There's a legend that comes with this cat. Oh, I love the legends. A long time ago, cats were put into basement tunnels in Washington, D.C. to rid the city of rats. It is thought that this cat is one of those cats that the city had used, a natural rat killer. Doesn't that sound like that could be a movie? A natural rat killer. Legend says that the Capitol building cat will appear right before important events or natural disasters. It was seen right before the stock market crash in 1929 and also before the assassination of President Kennedy in 1963. D.C. has somewhat embraced 
the thought and memory of this mysterious cat. The DC Roller Derby team even named themselves after that kitty, the Demon Cats. The next animal spirit encounter is 325 miles away from DC, give or take, and takes place at Castle Crag in Connecticut. Known as the Black Dog, this phantom pooch is responsible for terrorizing hikers and visitors for several decades. People have described this aggressive dog as a spaniel-like animal. It's short-haired and quite small. It's been witnessed not to make any sounds whatsoever, even when it is obvious that it is growling or barking or howling. Legend time. Quote, if a man shall meet the black dog once, it shall be for joy. And if twice, it shall be for sorrow. And the third time, he shall die. Unquote. I'm all for spending time with all types of creatures. Snakes, cats, dogs, goats, ponies, whatever. But maybe I'll stay clear from this one. Numerous people blame the black dog for deaths of people they know who encountered it three times. Deaths have been linked to the dog since the 1800s. Now this next experience comes from someone who some of you may have grown up watching on TV, The Brady Bunch. Peter Brady, played by Christopher Knight. I actually reached out to him and asked him if he would like to share his story on the podcast. And no, folks, you're not about to hear his voice. I didn't get a reply. I understand he's a busy fella. 100% understand that. This is worth mentioning, though, so I'll share what I found on his incident. Now, actor Christopher Knight tells the strange tale while filming a ghost episode of The Brady Bunch. The cast was staying at a creepy bed and breakfast. The cast stayed up late sharing ghost stories with one another until finally calling it a night and going to sleep. Now, Knight shares that in the middle of the night, he wakes up to find these two hunting dogs just sitting at the foot of his bed. And they're just staring at him. They're not mean or aggressive or, or happy or anything. They're just staring at him. This wasn't the only thing he saw. After seeing the dogs, he notices that there's a little girl gazing at him from the doorway. The dogs nor the girl made a single peep or bark. The next day, Christopher is sharing his encounter. And the bed and breakfast owner takes Knight to a fireplace where two hunting dogs were depicted on the metal fire guard of the old fireplace. Peter is shocked. You guys, these were the same two dogs that he had seen the night before. No one is sure about the history of these dogs, whether there's legends or history or just anything, but the mysterious encounter left the young actor quite shaken. And I promise you, you know, there's times where I'll try to talk with people and open up a conversation about the paranormal. And a lot of these are well-known, famous people. And after a certain amount of time goes by, I kind of space out and forget all about it. And then sometimes it's months later where they actually get back to me. And it's like, whoa, holy shit. Okay, cool. You know, so who knows? Maybe he'll get back to me at a later time. And if he does, I promise you guys that I will record and share it with you because I still think that's really cool hearing from other people about their encounters. Now, this next tale I'm going to tell you is one of my favorites. It is just really heartwarming and awesome, and I think you're going to like it too. In Atlantic City, New Jersey, there is a phantom pup that is known as Nightlife. 
Back in the day, a local bartender owned this dog who was known to walk the soberly challenged back to their respective homes. He was such a special and loving dog. The furry little navigator would guide the patrons safely through traffic lights and what have you. And then once they were safely home, he would return back to the bar once the work was complete. This dog was well known. And if taxi cab drivers were available, if they saw the dog was too far away from his home, from the bar, they would pick him up and drop him off at the bar free of charge, of course. He was certainly a beloved member of the community. I couldn't find how he died, but eventually when Nightlife died, he was so loved that not only his owner, the bartender, but the bar patrons in the community helped pitch in to pay for a burial plot in a local pet cemetery. But some think he never left his post at the bar. The ghost of this unique pup has been reported by many passerby and eyewitnesses, persistently, mind you, saying, hey, I've seen this phantom dog. They've seen it waiting by traffic lights and approaching drunks who are in the middle of walking home. Taxi drivers claim that the dog will approach them, begging for a ride, only to vanish. When the driver opens the door, (laughs) sometimes it will wait for a cab, and once it pulls up, it will flicker and then disappear in front of their very eyes. Now, unlike the black dog in Connecticut, who was aggressive and put fear into people, it truly sounds like this dog, Nightlife, loved helping people in life and continues to do so in death. I mean, that's awesome, right? I love stories like that. I love things like that. So keep doing what you do, Nightlife. This next encounter comes from the 1770s, the blue ghost dog legend. Story goes that after a night of drinking, Charles Howard Sims was seen bragging to others of the amount of gold that he had. Not such a good idea. This was a fatal act and was the last thing Charles would do. He was attacked by several thieves. Sims desperately fought back. His faithful and loyal pup, Blue Tick Hound, never left his side, fighting alongside his master, fighting to the death. They were severely outnumbered. And the end result was Sims and his dog, mortally wounded, fallen on a rock by the side of the road. The thieves buried the gold. When they later came back for it, they were attacked by a dog. Not any dog, a blue tick hound. The mastermind, the head thief, escaped the phantom canine's clutches, but became very sick shortly afterward and died. It is strongly believed that to this day, the Blue Tick Hound still watches over his master's property, his gold. In town, there is even a restaurant and bar named after the loyal pooch. Our next stop is in Chicago, in the suburbs, where larger animals are said to return from the grave. There are these stables and riding trails in an isolated wooded area on the edge of the Cook County Forest Preserves. This is near the busy intersection of 95th Street in Keene. One of those riding trails crosses this dangerous junction. Until just recently, there was no safety control device to ensure the safety of the horseback riders and their horses. And unfortunately, many people and horses have lost their lives due to car accidents. Seven documented human fatalities, but the number may be higher. With history like this, it's no shocker that it has a crazy amount of paranormal activity. 
Many people have bore witness to seeing apparitions of these phantom horses in the area around dusk and into the night. Several drivers have witnessed to see a horse and that of a silhouette of a rider attempting to cross the intersection. When the driver slows down, the horse and rider vanish before their very eyes. It must be mentioned that the riding pair don't make it across the street usually while being viewed. Often they disappear in the middle of the road as if not wanting to be hit for a second time. And who can blame them? What's even more, people riding their horses in the area, not spirits folks, but the living, often complain that for reasons unknown, their large companions become spooked and unruly and will often refuse to cross at all. Now, I must say, as a kid, when I lived in New Mexico, we were part of this horseback riding crew. And we would, every single day, go on several hours worth of excursions up into the mountains uh, and around where the mica mines are. And it was so phenomenal just being on the horse and just doing this day after day. And at one point, my horse saw the snake and got super spooked. It is really scary being on a horse as a kid and having it buck and just being, you know, spooked. So I feel for those people when they're in the middle of the road trying to cross and all of a sudden their horse just like goes, nope, not happening, and starts getting kind of unruly. Anyways, I want to mention that also in this area, there is the spirit of a dog named Felix. He was a former mascot of the fire department. After several years of dedicated service, the beloved pooch passed away and is actually buried right near this intersection. Talk about a very active site. There are countless other reports, cases, experiences, encounters, and legends. Obviously, I'm a firm believer when it comes to the supernatural and the paranormal, and it makes sense that like people, animals tend to stick around sometimes as well. I recently had a really neat conversation with Crystal Hope Reed. She is an animal psychic and an author, and I had a fantastic time listening to what she had to say, and I'll definitely have her back on as she had a lot to talk about. Hi, my name is Crystal Hope Reed. I'm an animal communicator, uh, which is also known as a pet psychic, and I did not grow up being a natural-born psychic, as a lot of people say they are when you talk to psychics. I actually trained to do this intentionally because uh, I love animals so much. And so through this, my own experience, I know that everyone who wants to do animal communication can learn to an do animal communication to some degree. So if you take away nothing else from my little talk today, please know that you can do this too if you want. So the way that people can speak to animals is that obviously, as we're talking about today, animal spirits, animals do have souls just like humans do, and they have consciousness like humans do. And in ways, animals are more still tuned into the universal energy, the collective consciousness, um, the afterlife, and all of that sort of thing than most humans are. And animals also use telepathy quite readily. So I would consider telepathy, it's not really brainwave, uh, one brain is sending a transmission and the other is an antenna, as we might think of telepathy. It's actually sort of like soul-to-soul -soul communication or consciousness-to-consciousness -consciousness communication. And so animals already do this with each other all the time. 
And in fact, they're reading our minds too. So your pets are actually already reading your thoughts. People know, oh, they can tell how I feel or, you know, and, but it, it's quite more than that. They actually can read your thoughts, sort of see the thoughts that you're in, are in your head. And so since they're already doing this, this is what makes animal communication or being a pet psychic possible because all we have to do is learn to take off our filter and then we can start to have the back and forth flow of the telepathic communication. So in terms of their souls um, or spirits, I know that in uh, some people differentiate between those two, but I'm kind of using it interchangeably here. Since the consciousness of all of, us, all of our consciousnesses remain after our bodies die, that means I can also talk to animals who have passed on. And I know a lot of people catch, or some people, if they're lucky, I should say, <laughs> catch EVPs and that sort of thing, or if they're mediums, maybe they see animals or hear animals sometimes who have passed on. And so those people are, are well aware that um, the animals have a consciousness that outlives their body, just as humans do. And in the same way, they can reincarnate just like we do. They often come back to their same owners over and over again. And some people, I think, have an innate sense that they get a new animal and then they realize this is probably the soul of the same animal that's been with me maybe once, maybe several times throughout my life. And that actually does happen. I'm not sure what the mechanism is, how they get themselves put in front of us in the right box of puppies, you know, in the right shelter for us to or rescue them, whatever. I'm not sure how they get there in front of us time after time. I really, I don't, I don't know how that mechanism works, but they manage to do it. And I think, and I'm so thankful because I happen to have a chihuahua right now who was my previous pit bull and may have been with me once before. And I have lots of stories from clients. Clients often want to know, has uh, such and such animal been with me before? And, you know, often the animals remember that, especially if they've come back to you intentionally. They will remember that they came to you intentionally. But I also have funny stories from animals, like um, one woman asked me, but I, I got this new dog, uh, this dog I've had since a puppy, and she sort of doesn't do anything. She just sort of, like, stands around. And so I, I talked to the dog, and the dog said that it had previously been a cow, and it had seen that the dogs got to go in the house with the people. And so it resolved that the next time it reincarnated, it was going to be a dog so that it could go inside because it wanted that experience. But now that it was inside, it didn't know how to be a dog. It realized it didn't know how to be a dog. And, you know, we sort of think of dogs as like, oh, especially the ones, you know, those of us who spoil our dogs to death. It's like, well, God, this is the cushiest life ever. But you think about it, really what is expected of a dog is different what's expected of a cow or even a horse or anything else. We expect them to be sort of interact with us in a certain way. And this cow, now dog, was just totally overwhelmed and said it was too much responsibility and it, it was going to go back to being a cow the next time. So there's just when I talk to them, there's just sort of endless stories that are really fun. Sometimes they're heartbreaking, of course. Because there's an animal's consciousness is as complex psychologically and spiritually as a human's. And not just dogs, this applies to all animals, obviously, but um, as a person who 
takes on clients, obviously people have me talk to their pets more than like a bear out in the woods or whatever, but, but it all applies. And so one last thing that I would just like to say is that sometimes people are concerned about what happens to their pets after they die. And I know that we sometimes do catch ghost spirits of animals. And so people might be concerned that a lot of their animals are trapped here or whatever. And that's not really the case. The majority of animals, their souls do travel to where they're supposed to go almost immediately. They're well cared for there. I have to say, whenever I talk to animals that are on the other side, all of their pains are gone. They're not worried about anything anymore. You know, they're really happy. They're in sort of an ideal place. It it seems sort of cliche. It's like, you know, a field with a bunch of dogs running around or cats being someplace that they're very happy and just laying in the sun. But, But that really is the truth. And they have guides up there who take care of them and they can stay as long as they want. And then they get to decide when they reincarnate and come back and into what they want to come back. Into, uh, what kind of body they want to come into or what kind of family situation they want to come into if that's the case. And sometimes there's a couple weeks of sequestration, which is really, I find that really interesting because our grief for them can be so powerful that can, it's, it can sort of hold the, their spirits here. And we don't necessarily want to do that to an animal or a human, right? So they have this sort of shield put around them for a couple weeks until they assimilate up there. And so it makes it harder. I can't really talk to them. No human can really talk to them so much until there's not a danger of their soul being pulled back to earth and being stuck here. So it's, I hope that everybody just gets the sense that maybe animals there on a soul level are more complex than they thought they were. Or maybe all I've done is really confirm what people already knew instinctively. That might be true too. You know, the veil is thinning. And like I said, everybody can learn to do animal communication if they want because our animals are already talking to us and listening to us. All we have to do is remove our filter. So this is totally possible for any person, especially if you're bonded with animals. So I encourage you to try it and know that they are as amazing as you probably imagine that they are. Thank you. Very cool. I had so much fun chatting with her. I'll definitely be talking with her in the future. You can always find her on Facebook, Crystal Hope Reed, R-E-E-D. So big thank you to Kimana, my mother, and to Crystal Hope Reed for spending time and sharing about some encounters. So just a little look into the spiritual animal realm, and I'm loving every second of it. See you next week. Have a wonderful day.